Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. But this week, we are not talking about either of the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. Instead, we're talking about the season two finale of Star Trek Picard. And then for all our listeners who've enjoyed our season two Star Trek Picard coverage, you should follow us into our uh, new mini series where we cover Star Trek Strange New World season one and uh, the Legion of Superheroes cartoon from the mid 2000s. Kind of two great little retro futuristic treats. Uh, nice little mini series before we get back to the two great uh, shows of the 90s set on space stations. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are part of Uncanny Treks. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Oh, man. The season finale, Bob. Ah, it's just been like the month for bad season finales when it comes to Star Trek. I, I've talked a lot of crap about Star Trek Discovery Season 4's finale. Like, I would have considered myself until the Star Trek Season 4 Discovery finale to be a kind of lukewarm defender of Discovery. Like, there were things about it that annoyed me, but on the whole, I would say, you know, more good than bad. But then the, the disco finale kind of pushed me over the edge. Um, however, I have to say that I've been pushed over a further edge, and uh, I would have to say that this Picard finale is actually far worse than the Discovery finale. I, I have to own that. As much as I dislike uh, Stacey Abrams, um, the, I, I dislike uh, Wesley Crusher and Will Wheaton more, and this finale was just so, so much worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I probably think the Discovery finale... Eh. I didn't even really watch it that well <laughs> because I just was not into Discovery. <laughs> I didn't watch yeah, it. I just yeah. wasn't into it. But at least with this, I did pay attention, and I still was just so disappointed. But I tell you, as we, what we're going to do through this episode is we're just going to go through and talk about some of the uh, the highlights of the episode, the the good and the bad, and just some of the things that we noticed. We're not going to go back and do a whole summary. You know, if you need to just watch yeah. the show if you want that. We're not, we're not trying to spend too much time on this. It wasn't great. It came out a week go and we've got something actually great to talk about in the form of star trek strange new worlds and the mid-2000s legion cartoon so you know greener pastures are very soon ahead of us we just have to push through uh this one last bag of shit so let's do the most disappointing part bob what was the most disappointing part of the finale for you oh yeah wesley crusher that like so much worse than the awful cameo at the end of discovery season four uh I, I hate Will Wheaton. I hate him. I hate his personality. I hate the character of Wesley <laughs> Crusher. I did not want him in New Trek. I certainly did not. I uh, did not want him portrayed as like a godlike being. Um, it was. It was just the worst. Basically, they seem like they're the good cue. That seems to be how they're doing it. 
And it, yeah, they're also trying to tie it in with like the mythology of the supervisors and Gary Seven and uh, Laris's ancestor. So they're trying to like string all of these past Star Trek mythologies together, which, you know, in general, I would be a fan of, but I, I hate Wesley Crusher and I didn't want to see it. Yeah, this is a whole different kind of thing where it's like they're trying to make their own like pantheon of, of supernatural creatures or something. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something that the Star Trek novels have done before. I haven't read very much of them, but like there's I think Greg Cox writes a lot of them. And they're like there are a lot of novels about Q that th these are the ones that I think Greg Cox writes a lot of. And apparently in those Q novels, they go into a lot of detail about like. The Q's relation to Trelane from that squat that Squire of Gothos episode of the original series, and the Q's relationship to that entity who pretends to be God in Star Trek V. You know, all, all these different types of things. So, it's a kind of old instinct in the para canon, but I guess we're kind of seeing it in a new form here in Picard. Yeah, to, to touch base with our Babylon Five folks, uh, I wonder where Jason Ironheart would fall into this hierarchy of supernatural. <laughs> I, uh, I like to think he would use his enlightened consciousness to spare us from a Wesley Crusher cameo. That's that's what I like to imagine the great Jason Ironheart would do for us. What if Jason Ironheart fought Wesley Crusher? Guys, this is the fighting video game we need. We need... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I need Q versus Corey. Fight! Yeah. And speaking of uh, weird stuff with cosmic deities, so, you know, like, we have this big kind of penultimate scene between Patrick Stewart and John DeLancey. Um, we, we find out that Q is in fact dying, hence his loss of power, which in a lot of ways doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because I Q's can die, but they generally don't seem to die. That was a whole thing in like Star Trek Voyager. Um, so I, I, I don't know in terms of plot, it didn't make any sense. All I can figure is that John DeLancey only came back into the terms of you must kill me kind of the same way that uh, Brent Spiner came back in season one. It's like, I'll do it, but I'm not doing it again. So you better kill me. Yeah. Um, and it was a shame because like the scene between Patrick Stewart and John DeLancey was charming. Like it was well acted, I think by both of them, they're both great actors, but it just was profoundly stupid in terms of plot. It made no real sense. Uh, on the bright side, uh, it did give us a little bit more of that old Picard Q homoeroticism, which, you know, was such a delightful part of the uh, first uh, Next Generation series. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Bob. Very well acted. You know, tried to be a powerful scene, but then just in, within the plot, with the writing itself, just, uh, just did not fit in with the tapestry, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Like, so... I don't know, Q, Q is dying, but he wants to give Picard a lesson in romance, I guess. That's the... <laughs> like, if, if, if Q... It sounds like a Stacey Picard, Abrams novel. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it does. If Q can't be with Picard, he at least uh, wants Picard to uh, to be with, you know, someone. <laughs> like, that's that seems to be the theory here. I did enjoy uh, Musiker choking Q, though. That, that was charming. Uh, Raffi's uh, one of my favorite Picard characters, and so it's, it's great to see her choking him. Well, one thing with the, the, to bring back Elnor in, like, the weirdest way, you know, Q said he had a little bit of extra power, since one of my favorite characters from Discovery... You saw, you saw that one from, like, five miles away, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. one of my favorite... Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw... Yeah, I, the minute he said it, I was like, oh, shit, this is what they're going to do? Because I think we talked about this in, like, the way back in our first episode when we were covering this show. 
Like I think we, mm-hmm. I think I said that Eleanor will be back. Nobody's going to give a shit. And that's exactly what yeah. happened. I, just, I haven't <laughs> gone back to listen to our early coverage, but I believe we, we both uh, didn't think he was dead. All right. But Rios, on the other hand, I like this character and you're going to go and send him off in, ugh. and he had the lamest arc, like from season one to season two. He's, the first season, I'm so alone. I live with my holograms all by myself, you know, and smoke my cigars and all that kind of shit. And then he got friends in season one. He got, you know, the the Captain Picard and all the other, you know, cast of characters. Yeah, he, see, he seems to be dating Girati, although that's I, that never really seemed to be actually followed up on at the beginning of season two. But like, no, other, other than the kiss, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, then he becomes captain of the Stargazer, which I mean, it's pretty cool. You're the captain of a starship. Yeah. And then he goes yeah. back in the past and he's like, I'm still lonely. I'm still lonely. I didn't know what I was missing till I met this random doctor at this healthcare facility thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I liked the woman playing the doctor. I thought she was a fine character. And oh, yeah. I guess like even like even Rios making the decision to stay with her, like if it were approached from a different way, it could be kind of sweet. Like it could. But yeah, I didn't really see the need to be like, oh, I'm so miserable and don't fit in in the utopian future where I'm from, where it's like, <laughs> bro, you got friends, uh, a girlfriend, and you're the captain of one of the coolest ships in the galaxy. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that you still can't be depressed or unhappy in, you know, in successful circumstances. Obviously, people are, but they're just, I don't know, it just seemed weird. Like, why, why not just go with, no, I actually think I'm in love with this woman and I'm going to just do it for her. Why make it about like, Oh, I feel so empty. Yeah. It was a weird reason. It just didn't fit very well. and just made his whole arc of the season. Just seem a little hot. I mean, I, I like the cast on this show. Generally, I think it, the show has a much stronger cast than say discovery. Um, and certainly than prodigy, but I don't know. Like, it's just a shame. Like Rias is a cool character. It's a shame to lose him. I guess, you know, I'll probably the new cast won't have a lot of time, I guess, compared to the old cast and the reunion in season three. At least that's sort of the vibe I'm getting. Maybe maybe my vibe is wrong. I'm getting the same vibe because I, I keep getting these, like, you know, updates and news things saying this person's not returning for season three or this this particular actress says she's not returning for season three. Her character's gone. I'm like... Oh, do you remember it, anybody else we know for sure? Oh, Gerardi for sure is not. Elnor's not. Um... Oh, wow. is a, is so they resurrect out. Elnor only to not bring him back? Exactly. <laughs> That's, you just want to make sure he's not... Well, they want to be able to write books and shit with him in it and maybe like do another spinoff. He'll be with the Rangers or some crap like that. Well, and let's t- let's talk about the future for Jurati in a minute. Was there somebody else? You, you, so you said Elnor and Jurati aren't coming back. Is there somebody else who's not coming back? That's that's all I know. I, think, I don't think... Uh, Will Wheaton's coming back. Uh, uh, Cor- Corey's not coming back either. Uh, she's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't not think Corey's coming like, back either. Well, yeah, but like her, what about her character in the present? Oh, sorry. That's what I mean. No, she's not coming. Yeah. What's her, what's the name of her character in the present? I can't remember. I, I'm i embarrassed, but I, I, yeah. I don't know. Sorry, listeners. We, we don't remember what the name of the character is. <laughs> it's, I mean, she did a fine job. It's not her she, fault, but uh, I would not. I would not say that uh, season one of Picard was a particularly memorable season of television. I feel like it was uh, something with a D. She also played two characters. She played like the actual yeah, she played the, and the, the, the yeah. sister. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever her name was, she she's she's was not it, coming back. Was it 
Dodge was the sister, I think. Oh, yeah, Soji yeah, 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 yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soji and Dodge. Soji yeah. was the main character, yeah. You got it. But uh, Yeah, yeah. So Soji's not coming back. Okay, I mean, that's weird. I think it's going to so be like we're... the last season for Star Trek Next Gen, like the real last season. Yeah. Even though I feel like all good all good things was a fantastic season finale to the entire Yeah, you don't thing. need any more. Like <laughs> But their movies I mean, sucked. I think they all want to have a better ending than their movies. Yeah, uh, fair. Fair. Uh that's so weird. So we'll probably see a little bit of Musiker and Seven and Laris in season three, and that'll be it, you think? Possibly. Or who knows? They may just start the damn show out with Picard in his living room, you know, like looking at his little com badge and like uh, it's my com badge. I wish I could go back into space, and that's gonna beep, or some dude's gonna, or somebody's gonna call him over his, uh, you know, his intercom system thing, and be like, "We need you, Picard, back on the Enterprise F or some shit." I don't know what. It, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's gonna All happen. Right. So I do, I do have other questions about twenty fifth century Star Trek, but we can hold those. Do you wanna, you wanna crow about your, uh, your intuitive correctness? that when we return from the past to the Stargazer, we return with a musical number? Yeah. Uh, last episode, I said they ought to play uh, whatever that song was by Pat Benatar. The Shadows of the Night. Sh- yeah, we're running with the Shadows of the Night. Yeah. And uh, it, it didn't happen, but a musical number did actually make it there. And it was... In hindsight, it was really obvious. It was that uh, French song that they played multiple times early in the season. Uh, in hindsight, I guess we really should have seen that one coming. Yeah. I really wanted them to play We Belong by Pat Benatar, but they did that at the end of Deadpool 2. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, you've been it, trying to get me to watch Deadpool 2 for years, literally years, and you've never moved me even an inch. But this is the closest... I, I, this actually, like slightly inclines me to watch Deadpool season two. I am curious to see the Pat Benatar. We belong. Yeah. It's it, Deadpool it, yeah, two. They do fantastic. Yeah. It's Deadpool two is a fantastic movie. I don't know why you're so anti Deadpool two. I hate Deadpool. Deadpool. You'd love it. You need to watch it. But anyway, they already used that song for that. So I was like, eh, but it would have fit very well. Wild, wild. So, I think we might have mentioned this way back in the season premiere, but we kind of get big Doc Ock vibes from the board queen, who is Gerardi Queen. Yeah, why Why was there not a more subtle way she could have, you know, announced the plan of what she needed to do than, like, come up on your starship in her mask and scary outfit and, you know, Doc Ock arms start ripping into your computers, knocking yeah. at your people? I can't, I can't remember if we discussed this last episode, but... So your interpretation of this is not that Gerardi became the same board queen as in Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek First Contact. Your your interpretation is that Gerardi just kind of fucked off to some corner of the Delta Quadrant, hid out there for 400 years, and then showed up to do this. Yeah, I, I Bob, after watching this episode, I don't know. I, I thought that sounded about right, but... Then where's Gerardi been the whole time? She's been chilling with her like new board collective that I guess is like more consensual in some corner of the Delta <laughs> Quadrant, I suppose. It's like, like a, probably it's like... far away from the actual board collective who I can only assume would see this new collective as a threat. Yeah, it's like the I mean, it almost sounds like some kind of like branch of Mormonism or something, Bob. Like, <laughs> like the way you make it sound. 
<laughs> we're I not mean, polygamists. I, we're the ones out on the other end of the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I'm just trying to make it all make sense. I, a good friend of mine, JR, is very angry about this. He believes that um, it makes Jurati Board Queen morally responsible for like Wolf 359 and for, you know, killing Cisco's wife, assimilating Picard, et cetera, et cetera. I think because I read a lot of X-Men comics, I'm a, I'm a little more okay with it. But it's not particularly good writing. And I I, sh- I don't know. Like, you probably just shouldn't do something like this in general. But if you do it, you should have a quick explanation where I don't have to sit here puzzling out mental gymnastics to make it make sense. Yeah. Well, I guess I shouldn't go into detail. But, like, I'm just saying, like, it's possible that if she's part of the collective... She should have known about all those things, you know, about what three five. Well, I think it's a separate collective. I think there's two, there's two different collectives now, and I think she did know about them already because the Borg Queen she bonds with knows about them, right? Yes, because that is the Borg Queen. So it's like Gerardi has bonded with the Borg Queen that did all the stuff in Voyager and First Contact. So technically, if they wanted to be all George Lucas, they could go back and like change her CGI her face and stuff to to look like Gerardi. Well, no, no, because that's that's in Gerardi Gerardi Queen's past, even though it's also in her future from the end from the end of the last episode of Picard. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, like, Bob. Thanks for thanks for clearing that up for me. Um, anyway. No, no, there are two different there there are two different board like. So oh, the Borg Queen two already Borg did queens. all that stuff. Yes. The Borg Queen already did all that stuff. The Borg Queen merges with Jurati. Got it. Then Jurati goes back. You know, the Borg Queen and Jurati are back 400 years. Then they merge. And then they live out the 400 years again. And so the oh. original Borg Queen is doing all the Borg Queen stuff. But Jurati and the Borg Queen are just hanging out in some corner of the Delta Quadrant, not interacting with the Federation or the Borg Collective. Does that make sense? Yeah, like technically there's two Borg Queens, two yes. of the original Borg Queens. One is older at this point, but, but yeah, she's in the yeah, past. Yeah, but one is yeah. older and merged with Jurati. All right, everybody, put your pencils down. You can like stop drawing out these diagrams. Yes, we got it. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have yeah. to go, if you have to, if you have to go into that's what that's what Bob that's what Bob said earlier. I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, I, I get it now. Though, thank you for going into it. I, I got it figured out. Okay, I, I I can't tell if I'm angry at the show or you or both. Probably, <laughs> you should be angry at the show. That's where that's where the heat is, right there. I, I can't I can't help but feeling you're somehow responsible for this, Matt. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be diffi- it shouldn't be as difficult to understand by just watching the damn show, but it, apparently it really is because even my brain's like, eh, I don't feel like it. Well, and I I don't like complaining about the complexity of something because in general, like I'm a fan of like you know don't explain, just keep up, but. This I think this is a kind of a bridge too far in that direction. Yeah, uh, this transwarp conduit or whatever that you know they built. Uh, Matt, I just have one question for you. Yeah. What What does God need with a transwarp conduit? I, I I don't know, Bob. That's what I'm asking. That's what, uh, they built it there, and now you got Gerardi hanging around watching it to make sure nothing comes through or kill or nothing bad comes through. I feel like it's almost a DS9 situation here. Like they need to build a, a Borg space station and uh, guard the, the temporal <laughs> conduit. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's weird. Because there's also like the weird implication that like something else is building the conduit that's 
I don't know, maybe God or maybe Wesley Crusher or maybe the Borg. I, I don't know. Or maybe even something we've never seen before. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Hit us up um, on Twitter with all your designs of these great aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know what you think the alien coming through the con uh, the transwarp conduit is going to look like. Yeah, and happier news: uh, Seven gets another Starfleet field commission. Um, that that's good. Although her telling the fleet uh, do not resist the Gerardi Borg Queen that that really seems like a poor <laughs> choice of words. Like, if you want them to comply, maybe don't echo Borg phrasing in your order to them. <laughs> that that would probably help. It was so badass, Bob. You know, you, you were just watching. You're like, oh, <laughs> look at yeah. it. Yeah. And she would command I, that ship like a Borg. I don't know. Like, we had it, you know, it's a new Trek. It's a new Trek season. So there has to be some sort of galaxy threatening spatial anomaly. Um, we see that uh, at the, you know, before the transwarp conduit. Um, it really sucked. It was maybe the worst um, galaxy threatening spatial anomaly we've seen so far in new Trek. But as you pointed out on the bright side, it only took like three minutes to deal with. So in that sense, actually a lot better than the galaxy-threatening spatial anomalies that beset us in the four seasons of Discovery and in season one of Picard. <laughs> yeah, that was like, there, there are only two things I liked about this episode, Bob, and that's the Seven and Musiker kiss, which is not because I'm a yeah. dude. I'm like, oh, two, two chicks are kissing. No, not like that. Just because, you know, it takes the next step forward with what we need to see more of. You know, on all TV and Star Trek, which is inclusion. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was yes. nice. I, I, I like the Seven and Musiker relationship. I really feel like they're the only characters who came out of this season, like, well-served. Everybody else uh, was not well-served by this season. And the other thing I appreciated, which you just mentioned a, little, a few minutes earlier, is that I, they, they summed up this galactic thing in one episode. I was so on the edge thinking they're going to move this into the next season, and that's going to be the problem. Well, and this vindicates my prediction uh, at early in this season, which is nothing in this season will matter and nothing in this season will at all affect season three, which the casting things you're saying only further cement me in feeling very correct about that. Yeah, we'll get a couple of random references to the other seasons, but it's not going to really impact the actual plot. Nope. And they're going to be like, ha ha, remember when I was, had an android body? Oh yeah, ha that was crazy. Like shit like even, that. even though they, they insist on telling us that there's some sort of crazy three season plan where it's like, no, <laughs> clearly there's not. Yeah. And whereas they basically turned like futures in that Voyager episode where they go back to the nineties or the DS nine episode where they go back to the bell riots uh, past tense. They basically just turned one of those into a season. It sounds like season three, they're just going to turn all good things into a season of television. Because, you know, All Good Things is it's flawed as it is, and it needs to be longer and stretched out to a season and waste a lot of time, Matt. That's, that's yeah. the secret. I really want to go back to Data with, like, gray in his hair, Bob. I got it. <laughs> yeah, although weirdly, I, I assume we won't get Data. We'll just instead get, like, Brent Spiner in a different Android role. I, I think it was you who was predicting that you should have Lore be the villain of Season 3. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we had talked about that, yeah. That could be, yeah, that could be yeah. great. Because the last place we saw him, right, was the season seven premiere of Next Generation, Descent. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. Yeah. I, yeah I, so I, don't, that, I don't think they're going in that direction, though. Yeah, probably, probably Brent Spiner 
what when he says he he doesn't want to play data what he really means is he doesn't want to wear that makeup and so that would extend to like lore and b4 as well yeah. as data or, or the evil villain he played in this season which is he was fucking batman yeah but he didn't have to wear he didn't have to wear data makeup in this season. yeah no he didn't have to he could be just he could just be brent spiner hamming it up stretching his act acting chops <laughs> maybe adam soong and young khan will be the real villains time traveling to the 25th century to fight the next generation crew who knows man oh who god you, you probably just wrote the plot in season three <laughs> uh, okay while, oh, while these man. while while picard both these seasons have not been that great i will say that the tie-in novel to uh picard season one it's called the last best hope by mccormick is better is than both Una seasons McCormick? yeah yes i believe so i i've heard she's a very good star trek novelist i don't think i've read any of her stuff but i've heard good things about her yeah it, it's a great book great just just real fun and then there's the tie-in graphic novel that was called countdown mm-hmm by byron johnson it's it's a fun kind of thing i mean it's nothing like groundbreaking or but it's it's fun star trek comics okay okay yeah yeah i well it's one of these weird things that like yeah i guess we're just gonna either if they do a 25th century star trek show after the end of picard like they do seven and the rangers or um wasn't there some other one they were talking? I think it was mainly Seven and the Rangers. Like, I guess we might see like Elnor and maybe Jurati Queen, uh, maybe Soji in that. But yeah, otherwise it looks like a lot of this stuff is, I don't know. It, you don't get the sense that the show is really enthusiastic to continue 25th century Star Trek adventures. And so it's probably more likely just going to be like random tie-in novels starring different characters. Yeah, I, I did notice that there have been two additional novels that I haven't read. One's dealing with Rios, and one is uh, one actually has Riker and Troy and their um, adventures, I guess, on some, but I guess before do, they go and make pizza. Do you mind if I like take a minute and complain about the new Star Trek novels? Sure, Bob. So when we were growing up, honestly, I read more Star Trek novels than I saw Star Trek episodes because DS9 came on at a strange time in the morning and you know like the original series you can only catch here and there so you know you could get videos sometimes at the blockbuster for some things but not that much so honestly like my familiarity with uh the original series and next generation especially is more from the novels than the episodes initially really love the novels but the novels back then were basically always just like episode plots that they weren't going to do you know yeah so it was just like yeah and I always liked that. I, I thought that was good. And my real frustration with Discovery and Picard is that they like the shows don't have status quos because they've so internalized this sort of relentless, ongoing, serialized storytelling that you can't really do side stories. Like it doesn't work because of the way they construct the seasons. And there's not usually there's not like a stable ship with a stable crew that you could just write adventures about. So instead you just have these endless series of prequel novels, usually which only focus around like one character. Like for Discovery, you've had like a Paul Stamets novel and a Tilly novel and a, um, you know, I think you do have like, um, there there was one that was in a, a two that were okay that were like Discovery teams up with the Enterprise before the Battle of the Binary Stars. But in general, it's just like they're just prequels. and. I don't know. It's just like, why not just write a good discovery 
novel about like a side adventure they have. Why did I don't know? I, I just really don't like the way the novels have pivoted to be just prequels and like single character focused, which the end of Picard season two seems like it's setting up, you know, future novels for Picard to be as well. Yeah, that's mainly what I'm seeing. It's just like you're like you're saying they pick a character, but I feel like they did that to some degree with like the next gen novels. Like they would just be focused on one particular. I don't character. think they did. I mean, maybe you can prove me wrong, but I think like you had your standard like here's a next generation episode, uh, next generation story, and then occasionally you might have a prequel or you might have a special event, but mostly it was just like here's you know here's the characters doing things. All right, then I do remember they had several. They were just novelizations of the episodes themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, obviously that's that's ridiculous, and we don't need to go back to that. Yeah. What it reminds <laughs> me of is like the novels that came out around the Phantom Menace, which were mostly like prequel novels focused on like single characters, because it's the same sort of thing where you can't really do direct follow-ups or episodes accompanying the Phantom Menace or the you know Revenge of the Sith or whatever, and so instead you just do more prequels. Yeah. Yeah, well, I might check out the Rios book, but I, I'm, I'm kind of, eh, it's not high up on my show. I mean, he died smoking his cigar, Matt. What more do you need to know about him? Yeah, I think, I, yeah I think we can close the book on Rios, if you'll pardon the pun. And I just want to say I'm so lazy, too, that I won't go back and like watch the first episode to see Guinan, if she actually has like his picture on the side of the bar. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was initially happy that they brought Whoopi Goldberg back. You know, like when they announced that, I remember being very happy about that. But, like, they literally just brought her back to have a deus ex machina conversation with Picard about what happened to Rios. It was such a, like, okay, man. Yeah, she's, like, literally the oracle in the Matrix for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, arguably Guinan always kind of was that stereotype. But, right. you know, uh, it's kind of disappointing that they couldn't find anything better to do with Guinan. And, yes, oh, I well. do know that, that, Guy, that <laughs> Guinan predates the Matrix, so... Yes, yes, obviously, obviously. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of hostility to me, a lot of hostility to the listeners, yeah, a lot of hostility like... to the writers of Star Trek Picard. There's just, this, this finale is bringing us all down. I, yeah. So I, I guess to end, I'll make this provocation to you. I grant you that this single episode and the one before it are worse than anything in Picard season one, but I would still propose that on the whole, I had more fun in this season than I did in Picard season one. And I think this was a better season because I was able to rid myself of the illusion that this was going anywhere and just enjoy the character beats with Rios and Musiker and Seven and Gerardi in the middle of the season. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And honestly, season two, I just wish it would have been compressed and I think it would have been a little better. You don't, yeah, you don't need that many. Yeah. You don't need 10 damn episodes. You need maybe four. <laughs> But on the other hand, like it was because they had no, nowhere to go and nothing to do that you did get the charming Musiker and Seven and Gerardi and Rio scenes. Whereas if this were just the two episodes it was always meant to be, like there would be nothing else to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But you know, the name is like I don't like Picard, the I don't Bob. like the overarching story. It's not just that the overarching story is stretched out. It's I don't like it. Yeah. So I'm glad at least we get to waste time with Gerardi doing karaoke and. Rios uh, making fun of an ICE agent. Oh, speaking of which, that dude never shows back up again. Like, you don't see him again. What happened to that dude? You know what I'm talking about? The, the detective guy. 
Oh yeah, that was kind of lazy, wasn't it? (laughs) We almost forgot uh, about that guy. Didn't Young Guinan and Picard like convince him over to their side more or less, and that was pretty much it? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I do remember that scene, but it just kind of went nowhere. Yeah, I'm utterly shocked that something from a Picard season went nowhere. Just Hello. utterly shocked. I mean, who could have foreseen this at all? Uh-huh. Certainly not me. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, this has been a very sad, very hostile, very angry episode of uh, the greatest podcast in the galaxy about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. But if you want to hear us uh, in more happy circumstances, uh, tune in to our coverage of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, where we uh, look at the retro futurism of Strange New Worlds and the mid-2000s Legion cartoon. We are a part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That was Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>